Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by Hyundai. New thinking, new possibilities. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily for the first day of April as another month has zipped right past us. Coming up later in the show, I'll let you know what it was like to test drive a Ford F-150 that can run on either compressed natural gas or gasoline. But now let's get to the news. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration finalized rules that will require all cars to have backup cameras. All vehicles, 10,000 pounds or lighter, including buses and trucks that are manufactured on or after May 1st, 2018, must be equipped with backup cameras. The field of view must include a 10-foot by 20-foot zone directly behind the vehicle. Other requirements include image size, linger time, response time, durability, and deactivation. NHTSA says the new rule will save around 60 to 70 lives a year, but as I keep saying, I think using sensors that issue an audio warning may be a more effective way to prevent backup accidents rather than a camera. Tesla's battle to circumvent the dealer franchise system in the U.S. has not been going that well, but now the company's luck is starting to turn around. Tesla and auto dealers in New York reached a pact that will allow the EV maker to keep its five stores in the state open and add new ones as well but it's not known how many more Tesla can open. This deal comes on the heels of a pact with Ohio dealers that will allow Tesla to open three stores in the Buckeye State. And while we're still on Tesla, it is going to add a titanium-plated underbody shield to its Model S to prevent the batteries from being ruptured if the car runs over debris in the road. Every car built since March 6th now has the added protection and Tesla will retrofit existing cars free of charge. NHTSA also ended its investigation into the fires of those cars. It said a defect trend had not been identified. General Motors was the second largest advertiser in the United States last year. Adweek reports that the company spent nearly $1.8 billion in 2013, and that's 10% more than in 2012. Procter & Gamble was the top advertiser, spending close to $3.2 billion. Toyota was the only other automaker to rank in the top 10. Overall, the automotive industry spent $15.2 billion on advertising last year, a 3% gain compared to 2012. It's no surprise that Chevy and Ford dominate the U.S. commercial van segment with almost 80% of the market. But last week, Mercedes-Benz brought its new 2014 Sprinter to Detroit to remind reporters that the German luxury car maker is third on that list, selling around 22,000 vans last year, with over 60% of those sales going to the construction trades. To maintain that position and expand its base, Mercedes has redesigned the van by adding a ton of new technology to attract new customers in other segments like recreation. So we will grow um, the, the, the RV business because now with the economy picking up, there's more disposable income available and the RV business is also all of a sudden picking up again. And one of our large segments is the RV industry. We uh, have close ties with Winnebago or with Airstream. And in addition to that, now combine that with new product offerings from us like the four-wheel driven Sprinter, which is coming soon. 
which will open up a, a totally new customer bases. Just think about mining corporations who have to enter their mining fields um, and transport people there uh, in, in, in ar into areas where you, you just have don't have access with a large van with only which is only two-wheel driven. Uh, or think of upscale um, winter resort uh, for passenger shuttle from the airport to the winter resort um, in, in, in deep snow or on icy roads. The 4x4 Sprinter will just open up new segments for us. That new 4x4 option, which is part-time four-wheel drive, will be available on the V6 passenger, crew, and cargo vans that go on sale early next year. Ford recently came out with a bi-fuel F-150, and coming up next, I'll tell you what it's like to drive it. The new Sonata from Hyundai. The biggest challenge in owning a vehicle that runs on compressed natural gas is finding a place to refuel it. Forget those fuel finder websites. They're woefully out of date. You'll likely find a non-working CNG pump at a gas station or some pipes and wires sticking out of the ground where the CNG pumps used to be. So call ahead if possible before you travel miles out of your way to find there's nothing there. Of course, the benefit of a bi-fuel truck is that you can just run it on gasoline until you find a CNG station. And with its 36-gallon gasoline tank, this F-150 bi-fuel pickup can travel far and wide to find one. When you do find a CNG station, yeah, they are out there, you'll discover that there are at least two different types of nozzles. Make sure you check to see which nozzle fits the vehicle you're driving before swiping a credit card to activate the pump. It'll just save you the hassle of having to start the process all over again. I could not discern any difference driving the F-150 using CNG or then switching to gasoline, not even with starting the vehicle in cold weather or flooring it at highway speeds. I even switched back and forth from one fuel to the other while cruising down the freeway and there was no perceptible difference. I paid $2.64 for a GGE of CNG. GGE stands for gasoline gallon equivalent, meaning the equivalent amount of energy that there is in a gallon of gasoline. And I averaged 18.3 miles per gallon using compressed natural gas, and that's exactly what the EPA label promised. 18 mpg combined, whether you're using gasoline or CNG. With a base price of just over $37,000, including destination charges, the bi-fuel F-150 is considerably more expensive than a gasoline-only version. But the more miles you drive, the greater the fuel savings will be. I figure if you drive around 15,000 miles a year, you will save about $2,000 a year in fuel costs. So in time, that extra cost of the conversion will pay for itself. Anyway, that wraps up today's report. Thank you for watching and please join us again tomorrow.